In our continued study of the book of Ecclesiastes, tonight we're going to look at the thought in the verses of chapter 2, 17 through 26, and I hope I'll get through, uh, I'm sure I will, with this portion of our study. But if we would put a tag upon this or what uh, Solomon is discussing here and putting emphasis on, we could say the distressing labor that comes in life. As we've looked through this study, uh, Solomon is looking for the meaning of life, as we have mentioned many times through this study, and finding in his discussion or in his search, if you will, that all worldly avenues are vanity. He starts giving some of the reasons why this is so. Uh, if you remember in our last lesson, we talked about how wisdom excels folly in many ways. And then we begin <clears throat> addressing an event that brings all worldly pursuits, including wisdom, to nothing and then to death. And as the old saying goes, you cannot take it with you, can you? All the things of this world. But Solomon's distress that I mentioned just a moment ago doesn't end there. In our text this evening that we'll be looking at, Solomon will be addressing the folly of a man's life's work. And in this lesson, we want to notice uh, the text and, that, and make some applications from the verses of 17 through 26 in our own <clears throat> life today. But notice in chapter 2, and starting in verse 17, he says, I hated life. Solomon realized that all the works he has done under the sun, he says, was mere vanity. Knowing that he would die and all of that stuff could do nothing for him. Now, you think about in our own lives and our working. We work for many reasons. We work for, to provide for ourselves. You know, we have to have the necessities covered first, don't we? The basic life necessities, shelter in our homes and, and things and our food uh, and those things. We have to have warm heat. Uh, those types of things, the basic necessities. But beyond that in our working lives that we do, we all work, everything else, the rest of the money goes for, other than basic needs that we've talked about, to just stuff, doesn't it? You think about that. Our basic need, now it takes a lot more to live now than it used to, right? Yeah, everything, you all been in the grocery store lately, right? Everything's up, isn't it? Yeah, it's increased uh, probably over 50% or more. But we have to provide for those things. But everything else that we use, and you think about it now, Amanda and I have done this many times. We have taken and put down on paper what we make and what we spend. And we list the necessities, of course, the water and the heat and the, the house and, and all these things. And beyond that, you're really amazed. You could be really amazed when you do that of how much money and how much things we have left uh, that goes for stuff. You'd be really amazed when you do that. 
when you just live and you just put in your bank account and you just keep drawing out and drawing out and paying and doing and doing this, that, and other, you really don't realize what, how much you have extra, really. If you really cut it down to bare minimum, what you have extra. Everything else is for stuff. So Solomon's quest in this, he realizes that when he would die, that all that stuff, all this stuff we have, you know, here is perfect timing for this, because at Christmas, <laughs> how much stuff did we get? You know, nothing wrong with that, of having things we enjoy, but what I'm saying is how much stuff did we just get uh, today or in the days before, and maybe even throughout the year. But he realized that stuff could do nothing for him. In verse 18, in chapter 2 there of Ecclesiastes, he says, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. So one might ask the question, what is this stuff going to do for him? But it says, why? Why is that the case? Because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. An interesting observation here is wasn't, it, it wasn't mere selfishness in pursuits, though I think selfishness can play a part in that, but it was a desire that something, something good and lasting come from them, from that stuff, if you will, the stuff that the man that will come after me will enjoy but then death enters the picture, doesn't it? And you think about it, and Solomon is very wise in this thinking, and he says, and you lose control of what happens to the stuff, don't you? Once man, death enters the picture, man loses control, doesn't he? Uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit um, later on. But verses 19 through 21, he says, And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. That is also vanity in verse 19. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labors which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity or with skillfulness, Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. He says, who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. But he will rule over it. Rule over what? That stuff. That money. You know, we remember the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. Again, we state it's not the money that's evil, but the loving of it and how we manage it. Solomon realizes this. How often tonight do we hear about squabbles over inheritances? How often do we hear that? I hear of it a lot. I don't know about y'all, but... I hear of it a lot. Sometimes people will come and say, well, can you help me with this? This is what I'm dealing with in my family. How should I approach this? But you know, we hear about that much, much, a lot in our lives. Money and wills uh, that are left behind often seems to bring out the worst in people, especially when it's in a substantial amount. 
sometimes the dying, we talk about the wheels and the things, and this is what Solomon's talking about here. All that's left behind when we, we die. But he says, but even, the, even those in, in the, the one who is dying, uh, sometimes they're selfish and, and hateful, really, in the distribution. And, you know, one may ask why. Um, and, and at other times, it's done with no forethought. You know, I think we as, as people uh, need to think about our, that. That's why people say, well, do you have a will? <laughs> Uh, we can save ourselves a lot of hurt in families, couldn't we, if we'd done that? Um, but regardless, unless the children, you know, in, in the families of, of those situations, unless our children are raised properly, it has the danger of making their lives worse morally and sometimes socially, but also spiritually. And I think we as parents and as older need to think about that as we get older. And, you know, uh, when we leave stuff behind, the man who has control of it then, and a lot of times, and most of the times, it will be our children. But when there's more than one child, uh, we need to be aware of those things and, and make that transition um, a lot easier for our children so that it does not make their lives worse. You know, money does funny things to people, doesn't it? When it starts talking about money, money does funny things, even to brothers and sisters and families. Uh, over this or over a piece of land or over uh, mom and dad's stuff, you know, those types of things. I've seen it. I know you've seen it. Uh, and that should not, should not be. And Solomon's speaking to those things. But consider Solomon as, um, as one, one commentary stated. Uh, he took his son, think about his son. Solomon's son, when he, he died, it took him less than a year to irreparably damage the kingdom of Israel. You remember that? Yeah, it did, didn't it? You go back to 1 Kings chapter 11 and 41 on up through chapter 12, you can see that. It took him really less than a year to take and destroy and to lose all that his father had done and left him. And it divided the whole kingdom. Remember, uh, he would not listen. Rehoboam would not listen to the older men. He took decisions and wouldn't talk to the younger people. He got counsel from the younger people and made it harder on the people and those types of things would not lessen things and this, that, and other, and it ruined the kingdom, didn't it? You know, sometimes we see that in our own family. So I've seen it uh, in my own family, that the inheritance was uh, given and, and there was things left behind and uh, some of the, the offsprings, it didn't take them very long to just rip through it all and be back to where they they were you know my grandfather as he died uh and he wrote his will out and made things very very um definite of what he wanted i didn't understand i've told this story to maybe many of you personally but uh he had a gun that i that i always desired and wanted and i could not figure out for me for the life of me why he made me buy it I had to pay several hundred dollars and 
had to give one of my guns in place of it. And I wondered and wondered. I said, why? why? Papa, why wouldn't you just give it to me? I'm, I'm your favorite grandson anyway. <laughs> uh, but he, he didn't. And he made me buy that. Had a bill of sale. He signed it, I signed it. Several weeks and months after my grandfather had died, <clears throat> his son came to my door knocking and saying, where's, where's daddy's gun? I said, it's in my gun cabinet. Well, why do you have it? I said, because I always wanted it. I always wanted to have it and to hunt with it and, and uh, those things. And he said, well, I want it back. That was my daddy's gun, and I'm his son. I said, I bought that from your, your daddy, my grandfather. And right here is the bill of sale. You know, my grandfather was a lot wiser than what I thought he was. <laughs> now I know why. He sold it. Uh, to me um, because again that son would have just sold it uh, like he sold the rest of the stuff that he inherited uh, but while uh, Solomon is talking about those types of things and, and he says that it only took his son just less than a year to destroy the kingdom yes it was the, land, the hand of God at work in that process but that doesn't excuse Rehoboam's foolishness and decisions of listening to uh, the young over the elders in his decision when he took over the kingdom. Verses 22 and 23, Solomon says, What has man for all his labors? You know, as one labors, striving night and day for success, putting his heart into his work, even at night, takes no rest, he realizes it's vanity. Here is one who has worked with great industry. Verse 21 it says, wisdom and knowledge and skill. He worked hard and successfully. And there's clear, clearly a fruit for his labors. But he finds out that his working was burdensome for him. And that he struggled with many friendships and family things and that. And I think that's a great lesson for us, isn't it? You know, we ask the question, why are we working again? Well, we work, there's nothing wrong with working for taking care of our families, is it? But when we continue to work and, and to, to let that be greed, it's just so I can have more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. I think there has to be a discussion there. And I've had to have that discussion in my own life. But again, the physical toll there, the mental tolls that it brought about, thinking about what he has and, and how to manage and protect it. And, of course, the point of the text is that it doesn't matter how diligently and long you work, it will still be left when we die to someone else. But want to say, but who? And what will that mean? Verse 24 goes on to say, it says, nothing is better. He says, there is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. And this also I saw that it was from the hand of God. You know, he said, he necronizes here, this is from God. You know, there's an understanding that hard work has its rewards. Young people, you need to hear that. Hard work has its rewards. Even at this age, you know, the little, little guys, and as they get older, hard work brings about good things. It brings about rewards. Uh, 
You know, used to the advice that was given to young men, and especially in the time that I was coming up, and the grandfather I had and the male influences I had, says that you get into a company and you work hard. You get in there and you give them an honest day's work for honest day's pay, and you even give them a little more that you don't get paid for. That's what we were taught. And when you do that, good things will come. In time, you will, they'll recognize that, the employer will recognize that, and they'll move you, and they'll, they'll say, oh, this is a good, honest person. They're a hard worker, and I'm going to move them up. But now I'm afraid that in some instances, not all, but in some instances, I think we've lost that. A lot of times, our younger people want to think, well, I, I want to start at the top. Well, guess what? Not a person around really started ever at the top unless their father owned it or something. <laughs> uh, and it means that you have that hard work brings about rewards, even in this life. Solomon even wisely knows that, that, that those things that come from hard work are from God. And now, so I want you to know that with this verse in our study, we have a change of direction in the book of Ecclesiastes. Up to this point in our study, the message has been a pessimistic message, describing... Trusting in this life without any eternal direction. No wonder it is vanity and grasping for the wind. But now Solomon turns the way of thinking. He turns the corner, if you will, and he acknowledges that what God gives us is designed in this verse to be enjoyed and for our good. Now, this is not contradictory unto what uh, we studied and said previously. This is about perspective. If our pursuits are selfishness and seeking meaning in the stuff of this life, Solomon says they will be vanity, they will be empty. Now, you've got to think of that. But with the appreciation that he points out here for God and godliness in our lives, whatever we have can be a blessing to us and others. So up to this point, he says, all this is empty. But he says, now all this has come from God and the hand of God. Now, basically, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to manage it? And I think that through our own lives today, that the things that God blesses us with, when we look at it that way, God blesses those things. They come from the hand of God. What are we going to do with those things for the betterment of God, for the betterment of the kingdom? How can I benefit others from the things that God has blessed me with? I think that's a fair question to each and every one of us. What are we doing tonight with the things that God has given you? The health that you have to go out and to do a full day's work. The money that you are being given because of the efforts of your work. What are we doing with it? Where is that focused? Is it focused on our basic needs? Should be. The scripture says a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Contrary to a lot of our world today. Um, But again, what are we doing with those things? Are we using them for the Lord? Are we using them to, to help others? 
You know, when we appreciate for God and the godliness in our lives, whatever we have can be a blessing. It can be a blessing to others if we look at it in that way of thinking. But are we using it to gain more stuff? You know, as I, I, I get older, I have to <coughs> really, consider, really consider the things in life about all the things that I get or things that I buy. And that, well, I really need that. How many times do you buy something that you really don't need? I, I do that a lot. I don't know if y'all do that, but I have to really monitor myself, especially if I go to an auction. I love going to an auction. It's just something about them rattling off that blah, 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 and looking at me and me going, I like it. <laughs> I like that. Uh, we have to be careful. Sometimes you'll pay more for an auction once you can go buy it for it brand new. <laughs> uh, I've had that happen to me. Uh, but again, what are we doing with those things? And in verse, looking at verse 25, he says, For who can eat or who else can hasten hereunto more than I? Who can eat? Now notice what the New King James Version says. Who can eat or have enjoyment more than I? Certainly Solomon realizes his blessings from God. He had it all at his disposal. And who could understand that more than Solomon? What he's trying to say now, who can understand that more than me? You know, when we go through things and when we experience things, who can understand those things more than our own selves? <laughs> you know, you think about that. You know, other versions render this thought as for who can eat or who can have enjoyment without him. Another version puts it that way. In verse 26... It says, for God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail. To gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and the vexation of spirit or grasping for the wind. Ultimately the sinner will gather and collect to give to him who is good before God. Consider this. The godly will use wisdom as they obtain what they have and manage it likewise. But whatever they obtain, they will contently enjoy realizing its blessings. Whatever one has... Than the sinner who without wisdom gathers and collects, often just enough to get by and time will fail. That's what the sinner thinks. But perhaps he'll find himself in a circumstance where the good before God rules over him. You know, in life, the godly, the ungodly rather, may prosper. We see that a lot, don't we? People in the world who have no interest in God, they prosper. And we often see that. And we see that the godly who, that suffer and have very little of this world's possessions, it seems that it's opposite of what Solomon says here. But note, God is in control and has a way of turning things around. Typically, the ungodly do not prosper. Typically, 
but even in this life, never yields comforts and great prosperity. God will reward us, and then according, you know, to 2 Thessalonians 1 and verses 7 to 10, God in the end will reward us. We've got our reward. You remember the scripture, lay up for your treasures in heaven, lay for yourself treasures in heaven? Yeah, that's where our treasures are. God created this world for good to prevail. His ways are right, the right ways. And failure, notice this, is because of man's corruption and blatant disregard of God's ways. That's the vanity and grasping of the wind. In the last few moments that we have in our lesson, I want us to consider a few things. Labor is not something, number one, labor is not something we can avoid, and, and we've noted it, noted its blessings. God expects us to be busy. Even in Ecclesiastes, uh, we are expected to be productive and work. You know, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10 through 13 is a clear reminder of this. Busyness is good in so many ways. Just keep it in its proper perspective. Being busy is good. My grandmother always said, an idle mind is a devil's workshop. That's why she always had me something to go do. Because she knew the devil was in my mind. Because she told me. <laughs> devil, that she was beating me. The devil's in you, boy. But again, busyness is good in a lot of ways. Are we concerned about our heritage? Solomon was grieved, considered what might happen after he died. Many people, you'd be surprised at the people who are concerned and worried about that. What's going to be happening to my stuff when I die? Um, you know, uh, some people stress over that. We don't need to worry so much about that and live in misery. You know, we don't have control over those things. You know, if our head is... is uh, Spiritually straight, will not worry, even as Jesus taught in Matthew 6 and 25 through 34. Don't take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about those things. You know, and we'll be content with what we have. We'll humbly share and as we live without fear of what happens when this life is over. And we'll realize and come to grips as Solomon has taught us tonight that stuff is what? Just stuff. It's just stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes we get wrapped up in stuff. Again, our treasure is laid up in heaven, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. What happens to our stuff after we die? We don't care about that, and, and we're not fearful of what others will think of us at that time. You know, what happens to our stuff? Are we concerned about our heritage? Are we concerned about those? And are we wisely, what are we leaving our children? Have we trained our children so that whatever they receive will be used wisely? And the other thought about this is will we make arrangements for good works? We have started and supported to continue at least for a while. Proverbs chapter 13 and 22 says something very interesting to us. It says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. 
And what Solomon has said is so true. So often, but with, with wisdom, we can have some control or at least make the valiant effort. But then it's up to the one who receives it. And again, we say, well, why are we talking about when we die in our heritage? We need to be thinking about those things. We can control that. You know, every time you go to the doctor or the hospital, whatever they ask you, you have a living will. Do you have a will? <laughs> have you set up things to, to, if you should not make it through it, you know, and then we get all tore up. So, what do you mean I ain't going to make it? I got to have a will? That's just, just in case, isn't it? <laughs> but I think we can be good stewards of the things that we have, especially if we're older, and typically the older die before the younger, unless some uh, tragedy happens or something. But we need to be thinking along those lines, especially if we have more than one child. Uh, I didn't have to worry about that in my own family. There wasn't a whole lot left. Uh, and I didn't have anybody else to, to worry about sharing it with except the government. Uh, but we need to be thinking about those things and teach our children what those things are and what they mean. James 1 and verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You see, Christians understand that no matter the circumstance, we have learned to be content. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. But whatever we are given, we will seek to use it good, in a good and a pleasant way. The other thought, the folly of accumulating wealth for this life. You know, the rich are commanded not to trust in the uncertain things. 1 Timothy 6, God is still in control, but we need to trust in God. You know, and as we close this lesson, God has been good. I, I know, I don't know all your personal stuff, but just by on the outside looking in and you looking on the outside looking in on myself, God's been good to all of us, hasn't he? Yes. You look at the things that we enjoy. You look at the, and this time of year we think about those things. Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and all the things. And uh, I can remember Amanda's daddy always saying, man, look at all this stuff. He said, ain't no telling how much money was spent. <laughs> uh, Christmas is a fun time, isn't it? especially when we're younger. Um, I believe my son Micah reverts back to eight years old every year. He's 20 now, <laughs> soon be 21. And, uh, I guess they're 21. Yeah, he'll soon be 21. Uh, but he's been like a kid, eight-year-old kid for the last three or four days. Uh, his girlfriend, unfortunately, bought him a duck call. And that's all we have heard for the last two days is a duck call. It's all things are okay, though. We need to enjoy some things, but be good stewards of them. How can we use them to the glorification of God? That's the thing we need to leave with tonight. How can we use the things that Solomon's talking about here for the glorification of God? How can we use them in the kingdom of God? To better the kingdom of God. To better people's lives around us. You know, I think that's a fair question to each one of us. Have we, in the last week, two weeks, month, six months, 
Have we made others' lives better around us? Think about that. Not just your immediate family. Go outside of your own house. Have you made anybody's life better because of what God has blessed you with? I think that's a fair question. If we haven't, maybe we need to look a little further. You know, they always say you can always look and find someone in worse need than what you are. That's not hard to find sometimes. But have we made others' lives better? Not be like the rich fool. Build bigger barns. Use them for the Lord. Don't leave God out of the picture. But you know what? With all this said, you and I must prepare for death. Doesn't matter what happens to you in this life, whether you achieve wealth or you don't achieve it, what matters is how you prepare for the next life. Because there's a life beyond this one, isn't it? First Peter chapter one and verse twenty-four speaks of how flesh is as of grass and that it withers and falls away. So is man. James four and fourteen. Life is a vapor. The ultimate point of this whole study is to understand that our purpose in this life is to prepare to meet God. When will you meet Him? We don't know. Will it be now? You know, we're about to finish up 2022. Will it be in 2022 when we meet God or will this next year? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people, you know as well as I do, how death occurs. You know, that's not here. You know, we just recently experienced that, and, and you know, it's just sad. That's the reality of life, isn't it? When will you meet God? Will you meet Him now while He can save you, or will it be then when it's hopeless? You have lost everything that you've accumulated in this life. You know, the Scripture says, What have man profited if he gained the whole world? but he loses his own soul. How sad that is. We could gain every possible material thing, but lose our own soul. What a sad condition. Tonight, maybe you need to meet God. Maybe you need to meet Christ. His invitation is open. He says, I will save you. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. You obey me, obey my Father's will. You'll be able to go to heaven. But have we, in Solomon's pursuit of the meaning of life, he finds so many interesting things about our work and what we've gained and the the wealth, but how are we using it? How are you using what God gave you tonight? Whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.